Welcome to the Futansi Thinking Global podcast. In this podcast, we look at different jurisdictions and industries and explore the opportunities that exist in the global marketplace. My name is Lingxi Wang, and I'll be your host together with my colleague, Carl Bradford. Thanks, Lingxi. Yes, Lingxi and I are members of the International Committee here at Fudansti, and we work on cross-border transactions that involve inbound and outbound investment in the UK. In this series, uh, we are speaking with different subject matter experts on the innovations occurring in the UK across various industries and their importance internationally. And on this episode specifically, we will be speaking with Tim Williamson, a senior criminal and regulatory lawyer here at Fortancy, and discussing the rise of free ports in the UK and what this means for both businesses in the UK and also internationally. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Great to be here. Thanks, Tim. Great to have you here. Um, I guess, first of all, Lindsay introduced you there as a regulatory lawyer. So to begin with, can you tell us about the work you do and how the work that you do relates to Freeports? Sure. So whilst a large part of our work in the regulatory team takes place in the criminal courts and at earlier stages in responding to an investigation by a regulatory body, we also work with businesses and directors in the UK to help them really navigate and understand the rules and regulations that apply in their industry. So you might have a product, for example, and you would come to us and say, well, look, Tim, what do I need to do? What do I need to know? What rules and regulations do I need to think about before I can go to the market in the UK? And so trading goods and services from overseas is very much of a part of our core work uh, and understanding developments in relation to international trade is, is vitally important to us. Um, I happen to be based uh, down here in the Solent region on the south coast of England, which, as well as being the home city of of a certain Rishi Sunak, uh, is the site of a freeport, the Solent Freeport. And given the prominent role that the firm seeks to play in the commercial life of the cities and the regions uh, in which we're based, we've worked consistently and closely with those tasked with developing the Solent Freeport and really, really getting it up and running to help us understand and unlock the opportunity for potential investors, clients uh, and otherwise. And I have a a role as well, given my work within our ports and marine team, which is part of our energy sector. And so I've studied developments in and around ports and harbour authorities for many years. So naturally, when it was announced that free ports would be developed, that was something that was of great interest to me. Sorry, just jumping in there, Tim. I mean, you've also used the term free port, but possibly other people who's listening to this might have heard the term free trade zone as well. Can you kind of just summarise what exactly that term and maybe those terms generally actually mean? Well, sure. Um, free ports are a familiar word, as you say, and free ports have been around for a long time. And so whilst the present free port model sort of takes as its origin Rishi Sunak's announcement in his budget of 2021 that there would be these sites that would become free ports. Free ports have actually been around since the 12th, 13th century. The five ports, the Sank port uh, across Kent, Sussex and Essex were given special tax exempt status in return for providing ships to the Crown. But at a basic level, a free port is an air or a sea port or areas within a particular geographical area that is essentially given special economic status to stimulate trade, investment, growth and boost jobs in that particular region. And this isn't isn't something that's just for the UK. I guess Freeports will be very familiar to listen to, you know, across many jurisdictions globally. Yes, they absolutely will. Absolutely. There are some very large 
Freeport areas around the world. And as I say, Freeports conceptually are not new and they're, they're not just confined to the UK. So jurisdictions such as Dubai, Hong Kong, Singapore have Freeports that are important logistical and transportation gateways for world trade. Freeports essentially are part of a broader category of, of free zones, free economic zones that principal aim throughout and in common to each is to stimulate jobs, employment and international trade. And there are currently more than 70 free zones across 20 EU member states. Just kind of maybe honing in on that point you last just made there about simulating trade. Can we just kind of dig a bit further about what kind of benefits do these free ports or free zones offer businesses and also the countries in which they're actually located in as well? Sure, yes. So within the free port area, there will be designated tax sites and designated custom sites. And it is investing in these areas that means that a business might be able to take advantage of, of certain benefits, as you say. So freedom from import tariffs is the obvious one, but it's not just freedom from import tariffs. Tax relief when it comes to investing in plant and machinery, reductions in national insurance contributions, tax relief for the purchase of construction or, or renovation of property within the free ports of warehouses or factories, but significantly zero business rates. So business rates relief is going to be a significant consideration, coupled with the fact that the local authority that would normally impose those business rates is not only going to be compensated by the government, but is going to be able to retain those business rates, 100% retention for investing back into the free port. So retained business rates and zero business rates is going to be a significant part of the, of the package when it comes to what this means for, for the UK and what this might mean for businesses looking to invest. And as a regulatory lawyer, I can say that one of the stated aims of the Freeport's policy is to create economic areas where there is more simplified regulation. And to that end, the Freeport's regulation engagement network, the FREN, has been established so that businesses are able to more easily navigate rules and regulations if they are investing within the Freeport area and in those sites, as I've described a moment ago. I guess for a business, it needs that certainty and that continuity. And so today they're saying we'll put in place these preferable or favourable tax rates and these favourable regulations. But what would stop that ending? Or How long is the certainty there for? Sure. If you think about the two principal features of the, of the Freeport, the tax site and the custom site, the idea was originally that the advantages that I've described, if you invest in the tax site, you invest in the custom site, would be available until 2026. In reality, it has taken a lot longer than perhaps was first thought to begin operating the Freeport. And so in the autumn statement that the Chancellor of the Exchequer made in the UK House of Commons a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that in fact the advantages will be extended until 2031. So any business from around the world asking itself whether or not investing in a UK free port, whether that is a tax site or the custom site, has more certainty than they might otherwise have done and can be quite confident, I would say, that the advantages, and they are considerable advantages most likely for most businesses, will be therefore the foreseeable future and for a good period of time to come. 
obviously, Tim, you, you talked a lot about kind of what the government's trying to do with free ports and what they're trying to achieve with that. Um, would you say at all like the location of these free ports is also part of a wider government agenda to boost investment in the wider UK as a whole? I think that's right. The government's stated aim, one of their stated aims has been for many, many years, levelling up this idea that opportunity should be extended to all parts of the country, the north as well as the south, for example. And so that certainly uh, is a factor. We think about the location of some of these free ports, for example, Yes, we have a free port here in Solent region on the south coast. Yes, there is Plymouth and South Devon a little bit further along the coast. But if you think about where the others might be, Humber, Teesside, Freeport East, over Felixstowe, Harwich, that part of the world, as well as the East Midlands. The East Midlands Airport is the only one of the eight Freeport sites that is exclusively around an airport. You have to see this as part of the government's overall levelling up agenda post-Brexit. And you mentioned it's it's kind of developing and that the naming these sites across the UK. Have, have they now all been identified? So the first eight were announced in that spring budget back in March 2021. Uh, we have some that are now operational. So for example, Thames. Others at our, are at various different stages of preparedness. But certainly the government's plan is to announce further economic zones as part of its overall economic strategy going forward. And we now have designation of free port sites in Scotland and in Wales as well. So this is very much part of the whole UK economic strategy for the government. So that certainly is the direction of travel. What I would say is next year is going to be an election year in the UK. I wouldn't expect, even if the Labour Party was successful, in winning that election, I wouldn't expect economic policy to change around free ports. I think we're a little bit too far along the road for that. And so any business listening, thinking, well, you know, this is all very well, but maybe this is going to be subject to a 180 change of direction in six, eight months. My sense is not, actually. There will be changes to economic policy and priorities. Plainly, there, there would be in those circumstances. But I think, as I say, we're a bit too far down the line with free ports and, and certainly we've not heard anything from the Labour Party at the moment in opposition to indicate that a, a 180 would be on the agenda. See, the UK is an island, so you know there's a lot of water around us. All the locations you've mentioned so far seem to be around seaports. Um, what about air traffic and freight coming in from air? Absolutely, yes. When you mention free ports, your mind automatically just thinks straight away of, of seaports. But you're right, there is one, as I mentioned earlier, the East Midlands Airport site. That is the only one that is exclusively an airport. But the Solent Freeport includes not only the ports of Southampton and Portsmouth, but also Southampton Airport. So there is a site around the northern tip of the runway at Southampton Airport, the Navigator Quarter, which is going to be quite important as well. And so it is important that we think about goods coming in by air, because although, as the Solon Freeport would say, £77.5 billion of goods traded through the ports of Southampton and Portsmouth per annum, must be borne in mind that trade that is done through airports is going to be significant as well. All, all these different areas and, and these businesses that are expected to go into these free zones or free ports, are there particular types of businesses or does it lend itself to a particular sector? I suppose an, an experience would 
suggest that joint ventures between UK-based companies and overseas entities um, setting up business within the Freeport site is going to be on the horizon. Offshore wind farms, for example, the Celtic Sea Cluster, green hydrogen infrastructure, you give a link between sort of shipping and, and the expected growth of the of the hydrogen economy, manufacturers and SMEs who are looking for an opportunity to grow and scale. This may well be part of their strategies for growth. But certainly I think any anyone in manufacturing is going to be taking a look at this and thinking about what the opportunity looks like for them and the challenge for those who are responsible for delivering not just Solent but each of the Freeport sites is to actively engage with those businesses explaining what the advantages might be for them and, and that's really where we come in and, and we as a firm have tried to be instrumental in, in making that conversation happen. Because yeah I guess there could be quite a lot of competition really between the Freeports given that it sounds like there's quite a few really and potentially new names being mooted and maybe particular Freeports have become particular hubs for certain types of industries. I think that's right that's absolutely right on the face of it I agree there's potentially competition isn't there the Freeport sites would most likely describe themselves as all being able to offer something slightly different. But I think actually over time, you're right, what will happen is that different Freeports will get a bit of a reputation for being hubs or centres of excellence for certain things, certain industries. And so a business operating in that industry or in that sector will naturally gravitate towards a particular site rather than the other. And, and that might be for the simple reason there's an airport within the Freeport site or is exclusively an airport, for example. So geography and particular areas of strength will, will naturally evolve and develop and come to the fore and I think that will inform decision making going forward because they are all slightly different. Yeah and you particularly mentioned the Celtic Sea cluster for the offshore wind I guess that's very geography specific as well because that would then need to be close to a freeport in that area. Exactly exactly so there will be some industry some sites will, will have a particular advantage just because of where they are and what is around them and that will inform decision making as well so it will all be factored into the mix as, as businesses think, look, going forward, what is our strategy for growth? What are the advantages of investing in free ports in general or a free port site in particular? And which one of these works best for me and my business? So thanks, Tim. That's really helpful summary. I just want to say thanks for highlighting the um, hydrogen industry. And if you do actually want to listen to more about it, we actually did an earlier episode in this series about hydrogen. So you can hear Carl and myself speaking with Aliki in our energy team talking about hydrogen transition and what that means. So obviously, you know, clearly there's synergies between what we're doing on these episodes and um, talking about the wider investment opportunities in the UK. And in particular, that was a that was green hydrogen. I think we should probably mention that. And I think the cost of green hydrogen is one of those areas that is an issue. So if they can be located or co-located with Freeports, it could be an exciting opportunity. Exactly. Uh, we are unfortunately going to wrap up this podcast soon, uh, but we do like to finish with a question to our guests about what they would like to see in the future. So I guess, Tim, what would you like to see in the next few years in relation to Freeports and, and free trade zones? Well, I think the direction of travel is pretty set. The current Prime Minister is a real champion for free ports and has been for many years, going back 10, 15 years or so. So I think that will continue. I would like to see as much certainty for business as possible. And so I'd like to see deadlines for the certain advantages that we've discussed to be extended, because I think it will take even more time to set up 
freeports and to really get them motoring for the benefit of businesses around the world. And I suppose my call would be to those tasked with developing each of their freeports to really engage with stakeholders, with potential investors in a meaningful way and not just focus on what the opportunity might look like or, or where it might be or when it might come to fruition, but how a business might actually invest in a meaningful way. And as a law firm, we are always having conversations with our clients and people that we work with closely in industry in this country and abroad, thinking about what the opportunity might look like for them. But certainly active stakeholder investment from those tasked with delivering the free port to explain how and also who, who else is investing so that this moves from some sort of abstract concept to actually something that can be part of a, a concrete strategy for growth. I think that would serve everyone very well. Thank you very much, Tim, for joining us on this podcast, obviously sharing with us your um, insights about free ports and obviously the opportunities that lie ahead for them, for UK businesses and also investors from overseas as well. Thank you. We look forward to inviting you back in the future as well to uh, obviously discuss development in the Freeport area. Obviously, for any listeners, if you have any questions about today's episode or would like to discuss any further, please leave your comments in the comment section or send either Carl or myself an email. We do hope you've enjoyed listening to the show and please do rate, review and subscribe. And until next time, goodbye.